So welcome everybody to another episode of the Solar Journey. My guest today is is Mario Skiru. Welcome, Mario. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Thoughts. It's a pleasure to be here today. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. So Mario has been in the renewable energy business since 2008. Um, that's when he started his career as a project developer for in Italy for a German wind park developer, GEO or GEO. And uh, five years later, he moved to Germany and started working as an investment manager for Capital Stage, um, which was later then renamed and rebranded as Encavis. Um, he's still with Encavis, um, where he was uh, appointed investment director in 2015. And he then took over the responsibility for the investment activities. And in 2019, he became responsible for the operations team. His background is a, uh, is a mechanical engineering. He's got a bachelor degree in that, a master's degree in control engineering. And he also got a uh, MBA from the Mannheim Business School, which is a business school in, in Germany. So Mario, you, uh, you cover both sections or two sections, that's engineering and also finance. Um, it's, it's from your CV, it seems like you're switching forth and back. Um, so you two, you've got two big hearts for those, let's say two different uh, sections. How do you balance that? Um, what, 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 what triggered your in, uh, initial interest in engineering and then your, your initial career was then um, also in the investment section? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, when I when I started, I, I, when I started uh, looking at renewables as an industry, I was sort of uh, I had just finished high school or the university, and I really uh, was um, was still very much looking for a technical activity and technical job, and um, because I liked uh, the I liked. What I've what I've done at university and uh, the topics that's all of the challenge of solving problems was was uh, was uh, very attractive to me and and um, it was in the end sort of by a coincidence that I started working as a developer where where I thought that the the technical skills would have been more important than uh, in the end uh, it turned out to be because. It's really a lot about relationships, mm -hmm. and um, and when you start a new project, when you try to convince all the stakeholders, landowners, municipalities, authorities, um, to to support an initiative, you yes, of course, you have to present an argument and convince them with numbers and figures and everything. But in the end, you have to also convince them that uh, that it's uh, it's a good thing, and uh, and I think that most of the people in the end still um are convinced by by uh, by emotions once uh, the figures sort of are right there is something else that uh, that brings them um the thing over the finish line and um and i think this was this was sort of something i yeah i learned during that five years uh five years that have been uh, very interesting because i really got the chance to to look at uh, at many different uh things basically again from from the technical ones to more to th things more connected to i say um planning 
issues, which again I was not really prepared for because they are uh, so if there is a, a shift into legal aspects that was new to me, more uh, financial, of course, because we had to understand how the prison plan could work out. And I also had the, the chance to interact with a lot of uh, different people, ultimately also the local politicians and also central politicians in, in our case played a role. And it was great to, yeah, to sort of discover this whole new world and to find sort of the way to, to, uh, to manage these projects. And um, yeah, after five years of uh, intense, I would say also, Fights. I think we can, I can use that word word uh, with uh, local authorities and uh, and bureaucracy. I understood that um, um, I would have uh, loved to change a little bit my role, and that's when I moved from the developer into into um, into the investment uh, sort of activities. Uh, I was offered this opportunity by Capital Stage. The company was quite small, but I uh, had a great drive, great people, a great team. And um, yeah, we managed then to, to grow the business. And the sort of the last switch to the operations happened when we realized that the portfolio had grown to a significant size and that we basically would uh, not only need to continue growing it, building up, but we could also, we would also need to, to sort of harmonize it, to create something that is not a sum of individual projects, but it's a real portfolio. And um, and I think this uh, has been my work for the last three years. I think we are now um, really we are now really understanding the power of a portfolio, which is not the sum of single assets. It's something more. Okay, excellent. We'll come to back to that later when we talk about uh, Incavas in, in in detail. I'd like to I'd love to understand that. When you talk about the portfolio and that there's it's more than the individual sum cool um but what made you move initially to to move into the uh, solar and wind industry i saw in your cv you had a internship with ford the motor company <laughs> right in your very initial internship only a few months but only but still you uh, looked into let's say the conventional let's say at least back then industry before you then moved into solar and wind Definitely. As a young uh, student of mechanical engineering, I think everyone uh, dreams of uh, getting into the automotive industry. And uh, yeah, that was my dream back then. Um, uh, but then then life <laughs> sort of told me something else. And, and again, I discovered the industry a couple of years later. Um, and um, and uh, I definitely think it was it has been the right decision for me i think that this industry is is simply great there's so much to be done and uh, it's really it's really something uh, which is which is uh, i mean it's 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 one of the industries for the future i think and uh, of course mobility is still uh, it will play a role will go substantial changes will undergo substantial changes because everything will change also there but um, but yes, I think, and somehow maybe the things will even converge. I mean, the electrification of uh, mobility is is a fact. Uh, but um, but yes, I I basically chose the other way. Again, the way things are in life, sometimes they happen because they simply have to happen. 
and in that case i think it was it, it went like that yeah. was there a special a special event which uh, triggered that or yeah, i think or i think how, yeah, how did I think it happen it was, yeah. It was it was the consciousness consciousness about climate change. I would say the fact okay. that we had to do something for our planet. I had the chance to, or I was lucky enough to um, go to the German school in Rome, where the topic around topics around climate and um, and sort of sustainability were addressed fairly early. Also mm -hmm. in the let's say in the year 1995, this was already a topic. When, when it still was not a mainstream one. So mm -hmm. uh, I remember, again, we at the German school in Rome being sort of, yeah, uh, sensitive to some topics that, uh, that uh, are not, not really easy to find in mainstream media. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so let's talk about the, uh, maybe you want to line out what, what Encavis is doing. So, uh, um, it's easy to read up on the internet, but in your words, what what is what is Incavis doing? What do you propose to your customers? What's your core business yeah. and your business model? Our our core business is, I mean, we are an operator of wind and solar plants, mm -hmm. and um, we are we are not a developer. This is, I think, an important one. We are we have a very we have a quite um, sort of prudent approach. To, to energy and to business, um, where because we we think that and uh, yeah we think that the stability sort of is is one of the most of the things that our um, our shareholders care most about, and maybe I think it's maybe in this in this uh, sense it's important to to reflect or to to present the history of this company uh, because the company was really active in. As a private equity investor in clean tech until I would say 2008, 2007, 2008, when um, the financial crisis uh, sort of opened the eyes on, on, um, on many uh, things, among which the, yeah, the volatility and sort of the risk of certain investments. And, um, and, um, and during that, years the, the board the management team uh, decided to invest into a much more stable asset class uh, in a much more stable business which was given by the subsidies by subsidized uh, renewable assets um and and we really if i have to i mean i joined the company in 2013 but even back then the energy was not really key point or the other sort of the yeah the, the most important driver it was really the stability of the business plan of the business case um and um and sort of the consciousness about the fact that we are ultimately producing energy came a little came some years later when we realized that the portfolio and we will talk about that later when when we realized that the portfolio has grown to a to an important size and 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 moreover, this also sort of make us made us very clear that we we have to uh, grow the portfolio even more in order to play a role in the energy market, in the energy business, because energy business is about scale in the end. Yeah. And um, yeah, this is this is basically the, this, and somehow we still have this DNA of of a conservative uh, approach to things. Uh, again, development is is um, is 
where everything starts, but it's also uh, a business which is fundamentally different than um, operating the, the assets. And, uh, and so we've, uh, we've decided um, to focus ourselves on a certain segment and, uh, and we produce energy. We uh, have our first clients. Uh, we deliver the energy to, uh, and particularly Amazon is, is uh, well known in Spain. One of our biggest plants um, supplies energy to, to AWS. And, um, and this is what we do. Yeah. So uh, when you say you're operator, it's, it's uh, you own and run the, the wind farms. Yeah. That's correct. That's what yeah. Encavis AG does. Um, we also have. Um, so you buy uh, them from, from an, sorry, you buy them from yeah. an APC, um, or you from you... a developer, from a developer yeah. at an at an at a late stage when basically all the authorizations have been granted, and so the plant can be built, or are you building? And then in that case, okay. then yeah. we then we basically construct, we build it uh, through an APC which we appoint. Um, okay. In very very often we still buy the plants once they are operational uh, and have been yeah sort of built by the developer, financed, and we and we uh, just yeah, take them over and uh, include them in our portfolio. Okay, so it's it's two ways. You either buy the uh, rights for a let's say readily designed and authorized uh, project, or you buy finished uh wind wind parks do you do you also invest into solar parks or is it wind of only? course of course okay. no our portfolio it's wind and is solar. Yeah. yes and and the solar part is the most is the biggest part of our portfolio we try to have a balance something like 75% of solar and 25% of wind in terms yeah. of capacity yeah. what what's is a is there a strategy behind it or does it just happen the the ratio of solar and wind no there is a strategy because we think that um that it, it gives a, a sort of a, a well-balanced um, cash flow during the, over the year, mm -hmm. first, first thing. So we, we, in the summer, of course, we make a lot of, uh, we produce a lot of energy through the solar plant. In the winter, it's more the wind part, which, uh, which sort of uh, drives the numbers. Um, but in general, we believe that it's a good mix also in terms of a supply of energy. Um, if you if you sort of put the curves uh, sort of one one above the other, you end up with a with a very nice profile also in terms of output. So yeah. we believe that it's it's a good mix. Um, again, we don't have to follow it dogmatically, but but we feel very comfortable with that. Approach. Okay. So um, I know that Capital Stage, so the previous uh, name of of Encarvis, they were also in invested into uh, like a tech companies like um, one of those thin film silicon module producers in berlin uh, which was like kind of a technology bet and then you just described it to uh, that uh, Encarvis decided to go into more um secure financing schemes which is now the uh, back then it was the subsidized um wind and solar farms and uh, where the, the the safe investment was you know pretty exactly what's the investment required and on the other side you 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 knew exactly through the guaranteed subsidies how much money you would earn over time right so that's the the first move and then now you it, it seems that you uh, describe a like a third phase where it's not about the subsidies but you talk about you as a energy producer 
Um, is this where, let's say, the the business to business, the private uh, energy transaction comes in? Is, is that what you mean by you, know, you as an energy producer? Yeah, I that think less dependent on on the subsidies. Right. Yeah. Yes, I think the whole industry is is sort of uh, um, going in that direction uh, yeah. for different reasons. I mean, I think we have proven that the technology is mature and can be sort of adopted um, without um, yeah, without the need of subsidies because it's it's sort of self-sustaining. Um, mm -hmm. The technology costs went down significantly. We are the cheapest form of energy. So in the end, this is this is um, sort of uh, a trend which, which brings this industry to the point where it does not really need subsidies anymore. Will be interesting to see how the whole um, game about battery is going to play out because that there we see uh, it is it is still more difficult to find really long term agreements which are necessary for uh, the financing. Um, but this is something else we can we can touch base on that later. Um, in general, yes, we are um, we, we sort of we are ready for we are ready to become a supplier of energy. We see that the interest is very high also not only on the big corporates which have signed the first big VPAs and which are still sort of quite active but also smaller companies are now looking for supplier of um, of really renewable energy they still can opt uh, for for renewable energy contracts with the big utilities but they also like i think to play to have a supplier like like we are where i mean a very pure player in this sense and um, and so definitely this is something we want to continue to do so um so subsidies like the guaranteed um revenue from uh, by law was a uh, was the old driver now it's ppas power purchase agreements what's the share currently between let's say subsidized cash flow and ppas which is on on a, on a business to business level and it's a difficult question because the in the end the cash flow from subsidized plants is still higher of course the, the the tariffs are the old tariffs are way higher than the price that we see now on the market at the same time i mean technology costs back then were much higher so you needed to have yep. uh, to have uh, that uh, that amounts for the megawatt hour to build the plants now you need less um i would say I would say we have, yeah. So in terms of share of the cash flow, it's not that easy. I would say in terms of capacity, we have still three quarter of our capacity, maybe even more, uh, which is subsidized, mm -hmm. and one quarter of the new, the recently acquired assets that are on the market, sort of, yeah, you call them in grid parity, where an off-taker pays um, a price in the long term. Which yeah. allows us to have a profitable uh, business and to and to yeah operate operate the plants. Yeah. So for future wind and solar parks, is are the subsidies still relevant for you, or is it less and less? I mean, yeah. there are still some countries in which we have um, schemes in place, where we, which we of course look at, but um, and there are some special situations which we yeah still could apply for for tariffs or buy plants that are subsidized but um, but we don't make this 
uh, a condition anymore in the sense that um, if if the the plant and the asset fits in our portfolio we just uh, buy it and uh, and operate it with without having sort of limitations or um, conditions on the form mm-hmm. yeah. of the remuneration yeah and um, in in which countries are you focusing on and uh when we talk about subsidies and, and, and PPAs, what are, let's say, the, the most attractive for pure PPA uh, projects? I would say all, mainly all the, basically all the European countries, the West European countries. Um, we have Italy, Spain. I, I, let's say, like, like in the first wave of solar, I, I think also second waves goes from the south to the north. So in Spain and Italy, we see a lot of activity in in uh, both in development, in construction, and in PPAs. Um, Germany, being a very uh, ambitious uh, country in terms of uh, targets, is mm. is a very important, very interesting country as well. France has been historically a little bit difficult for us to enter. We have we have some plans, but um, but it's even more local than other countries, I would say. Um, uh, but definitely, it's it's not interesting uh, country as well the uk also is is interesting increasingly interesting denmark is an, is a country where we are um where we expect good things to happen and and uh, where we are building up our a very nice portfolio of both wind and solar and um i think yes we have some plants in sweden both wind and solar so yes i, th- I would say there is there is are many countries and we are basically everywhere in europe uh, mm. which is good and um and again at the moment i would say yeah the, the countries where we see most activities are italy germany and maybe spain and the uk is following yes what about portugal uh, i went portugal, a couple yeah. of times uh, plenty of wind on the coast um, yes portugal is is a very interesting country it has um um still some some um, um the, the last process i followed when i was still active in the investment team were um very um were still how you say auctions based they were auction based yeah. and uh, and the bids were really very low um we are we don't have yet projects in portugal i think uh, in terms of irradiation and And wind resource it's an interesting country mm. we just didn't manage to really enter it properly so far but yeah. we think this will happen as well yeah. um there's also there yeah there is there is a lot of lot of things going on and you mentioned france it's it's a difficult market in terms of regulation or or, or what's yeah both both i mean the nuclear uh power still plays an important role in the energy mix right yeah. Um, there have been now recently some some announcements and some uh, yeah, actions in order to to revise retroactively the tariffs that were granted in the first uh, solar plant. So it's 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 a country in which yeah the messages and the signals are sort of contradictory. Uh, yeah. In a third way, I think there will. Have I mean something will have to happen, mm. but at the same time they are, they are still still uh, very reluctant to to move ahead. 
um, with with a lot of decisions. So let's see. Again, it's, it's something we are we follow, we observe. The, there are some very good French players actually that are uh, developing the, the business and the market there. Yeah. Uh, we will see. We will see. Okay. And uh, do you limit yourself to Europe because you th think there's enough business for you to to grow? Or I mean, with your competence over so many years, you could you try your try to uh, make a hit overseas? Um, we we consider that, and we still consider that from time to time. Um, we believe, as as I said it before, that you have to reach a decent size in order to make um, a good business in the different countries. And we see a lot of opportunities in the countries where we are already active. Mm. So um, yes, for the time being, there is basically no need. And um, and um, again, if an interesting opportunity happens to to make a big step, but also then it would mean buying or building up an important portfolio, then we would do that. But again, for the time being, we we don't we don't uh, we don't think that this has to happen. Europe is has very ambitious goals, um, and also countries where things uh, sort of at the beginning were not were happening a little bit slowly, are now picking up. Greece is a good example. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of activities over there. So yes, I think that, um, that there will be plenty of opportunity. There are plenty of opportunities in Europe yeah. for us to grow. Yeah. So um, so you're a company of roughly 170 people employees. Um, What's your idea? I mean, you could take it. Do you want to take it to a thousand, or do you just want to be become more efficient and keep it always below two hundred? So, what's your your company strategy no, here? No, um, we 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 love to be to be lean. We love to be to be a small team in which uh, things can be discussed easily, in which sort of we don't have to to make a big uh, sort of decision rounds in order to get things done. So we love that, and uh, and we only. I mean, we don't have, we don't move ahead in a sort of in a dogmatic way. We we hire people whenever we feel we need them. Um, one thing that's important and I think characterizes us also is the fact that we love to work with partners. We have, uh, for example, the whole O&M business, which we believe will be very interesting also in future. And I will come to that point in a minute if it's of interest mm -hmm. uh, we are doing it we're covering it with a with a part with partners of us um, in which we have also a share the company based in Parma called Stern Energy uh, which has been working on our plans since 2008 and um, or maybe a little bit later when we entered Italy I would say 2012 and uh, they have been doing a great job so far they um, they do it yeah very well so we don't feel like we need to build up that uh, that team internally. We want to have people who are able to engage them at sort of um, at the right level. So we want to understand what the guys do, but we don't need to do that uh, all on ourselves. And so by this, I think we manage to find a good balance. The guys sort of serve a much bigger uh, customer base, which is good because they sort of are forced to be on the market and to be competitive in whatever they do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so this, uh, this is a, a way that we, yeah, we've, um, we've, we've experienced as very promising and this is something that we could continue doing also in other uh, areas where we want to grow. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
so with your 170 people, how many gigawatts of production capacity or maybe terawatt hours uh, do you do you manage? Uh, yeah, just to get an idea of your yeah, say, the, output. The yeah. yeah, the portfolio grows uh, consistently and, and constantly. But I think we are now, I can tell you with uh, precise, we're around three gigawatt. We have the recent numbers and figures always on our website. Um, but we have more or less three gigawatts of, um, of capacity and uh, solar plus wind sorry yeah. solar plus pl solar plus wind and on the ag side because i told you that we are also managing uh, plans for third party uh, investors for institutional investors on the ag we have we own 2.013 gigawatt yeah. so two two gigawatt okay. which is uh, which is a nice a nice portfolio yeah. again we will we want to grow it more of course but yeah. uh, but it's a good it's a good base yeah so um for the future ppas will be the the dominating scheme so maybe you want to outline uh, how do you how do you sell your energy how does it work and what are the specific challenges for you and uh, maybe i think that's where your your the aspect of having a portfolio or having a certain size should come in Right. Yeah. This is something we are, we sort of understood uh, only in recent years. Mm. Um, let's say it this way. Historically, each each plant is considered as a as an individual SPV. Right. We also operate the plants like having them in 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 uh, individual companies. Mm -hmm. And um, and for the time being, we are still selling the energy sort of individually each each asset. Um, of course, we do see that putting them together creates an advantage in terms of um, of uh, output. It becomes more stable, and um, and it's also valued uh, in a different way. So, um, yeah, and especially for the future, we are we are really now considering to building up mixed portfolios, uh, which are then meant uh, to be to be selling the energy to a certain customer who has specific needs. Mm. Um, it will always happen through a PPA in the end. And we still very much love long-term agreements because they give us the stability that we need and that our shareholders love. So um, this, this won't change. I think the combination of assets could be something that we um, uh, push further in order to understand and to, yeah, to create portfolios that are I said before, um, uh, optimizing the output in terms of uh, megawatt hour, um, reducing the, uh, yeah, the imbalance costs and stuff like that. We see that we see that uh, it, it it definitely plays a role how big the portfolio is and um, and yes. So this is this is something we are really working on intensively to understand how to do things in the mm. future. Um, again given the fact that there will definitely be a substantial stake of, of long-term agreements. Yeah. So let's use um, Amazon Web Services that you mentioned before as one of your um, customers. Of course, they want to have 24-7 uh, electricity. Fortunately, they have a, the strategy to go 100% renewable. So um, how does it work? There, of course, you have solar and wind in Spain where... Then we have only solar. Then we have only solar, and it's this only is only solar. So only so solar. What, 
So it's a it's a trivial question maybe for you, but I think uh, it's interesting how this is managed because the sun doesn't shine at night even in Spain. That's definitely so, the case. So how That's do you case. so how do you supply energy to Amazon Web Services in Spain during the night? That's that's definitely the case. I cannot. I probably cannot go into too much into the details of the contract. But uh, to make it very short and very simple, we still cannot do that. So yeah. we don't supply. Uh, we don't supply physical energy um, as a in a base load uh, mm. form. So yes, we we still have the solar profile, which is a matter of fact. Uh, but we see that uh, back then customers were sort of okay with with taking what the market was offering i think also from this point of view uh, customers are becoming more sophisticated which will force us to become um to again and it, this is i think what, what what i was trying to say before we will be forced to combine portfolios in a certain way and probably wind and solar alone won't be enough we will mm -hmm. have to also include the batteries in in the in the portfolio to yeah at least sort of uh, improve from that point of view um again we still believe that we believe we believe that solar and uh, batteries do match very well because it's short cycles when the mm -hmm. sun shines especially in the south europe um wind you usually have longer cycles a couple of days of wind and then uh, wind goes down so it will be a little bit more a challenge um but in general i think that that this this will be This, and this is a very interesting discussion we are also having at the moment internally. Who's going to be, in the end, able to, to really guarantee base load? Is it going to be the producers like Encavis, or is it basically the, 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 the whole system and the whole grid to be, uh, to be um, able to do that? If you look at sort of electric mobility, just to make an example, vehicle to grid is a technology which is somehow mature it works it has proven to be worked out mm -hmm. to, be, to be working there is no mainstream adoption yet um, but this is something definitely that we have to follow we don't there will be as always players who uh, will specialize on on certain aspects and, and maybe it's not players like Encabis who have to specialize on delivering base load maybe again it will be a combination of, of different parties that in the end guarantee that energy is available 24-7 in the amount that is needed. So um, so Amazon, so they then have right now multiple contracts. One of them is yes. with you. And uh, for the nighttime, they have actually, they get they the buy. energy from someone else, yes. right? Yes. Okay. So um, so the, uh, the, the guarantee of origin business is then not relevant for you because you just sell what you've got and you don't at this point you don't want to be a 24-7 energy supplier where yeah, you would, like, buy and resell electricity for example hydro from norway just to make amazon in spain happy to have them to have them to supply them with 24-7 energy yeah. yes i mean there are there are players and there are there is the op the option uh, for for players like encavis to to deliver baseload energy sort of to To become the party of course then we would have the issue of of buying energy when we are not producing it right mm. because in the end what we don't pursue produce we have to buy uh, again this is this is something that some players do already we are careful we are, we are careful especially during these times where we see high volatility in prices 
it could hit you hard. Uh, we've uh, we've seen some some things sort of going also the wrong way last year, I think, or 2021, yes, in Texas. I think this is also something yeah. that is uh, publicly uh, available. I mean, it's it's um, and so we are we are we are making up our minds. Theoretically, it everything is possible. Mm. Practically, again, given also our our risk profile, we have to be very careful when we consider uh, having also a different role from this point of view. For the time being, we feel very comfortable in managing the positions that we have, sort of yeah. that we produce. We feel less comfortable in buying energy that we don't produce from our assets and combining it with our assets in order to deliver it to the customer. This is something that we are, yeah, um, maybe we'll have to get there. Maybe, um, maybe not. Uh, yeah. um, it's, it's, um, it's ongoing discussions. Um, we will see, we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I'm for my private household. I'm uh, a customer of Naturstrom. I'm, I'm sure you I know them. So, uh, so they supply me with electricity at night, right. and they do have their own wind and solar farms. So they obviously are trading energy, right? So they must buy right. and resell then uh, electricity. So uh, this would be this is exactly the step which you are considering but haven't done yet for so so i mean yeah so so it's yeah, yeah right definitely we, we are still we are also not active on the on the um exchange on on the market so exchange. we use service providers to sell our energy on the on the exchange okay. um yeah. but um theoretically yes again practically not the case yet and Naturstrom, interesting. Again, we should, uh, I don't know, they, they probably give you, they guarantee you 100% of renewable energy, 100%, yes. yeah. not greenwashed. Is it not greenwashed? I don't know well, how the company works. I can't measure it, right? But uh, they, they, they have Maybe they should, external yeah. advisory boards and, and uh, they, they make a big effort to uh, prove that they are 100% renewable. Yeah. Yeah, and this is something that is also again there are different definitions, I guess, in the end. And again, yeah. I, I don't know Naturstrom at all, so maybe they do things in the best possible way. But in the past, there was a huge discussion about companies buying the guarantees of origin that you mentioned before, mm -hmm. that you mentioned before, just to basically show that the volume in the end that they bought is covered by enough guarantees of origin, sort of guaranteeing you the, the green energy uh, source. Which again is not uh, not properly correct. I mean, overall, yes, you can prove that you've that you've delivered enough uh, guarantees of origin. But um, but at night, as you said, a solar plant simply cannot produce energy. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's not a, not a very easy easy thing. I think that, yeah. I don't know at the moment how it, how it works, but I also have a hundred percent ökostrom, and I've also not really looked at the details of the bill, but um, but yes, I the question is uh, is a uh, is a good one. <laughs> I probably have sure. would have to be asked to, to the guys. So, but but that's an important issue uh, aspect, right, of the industry. Um, those guarantees of origin. Um, when I learned first about it, I was uh, I was surprised in a way. So you basically can sell a kilowatt hours the physical energy, but you can also sell that guarantee of origin 
the the you you can sell the greenness of the the kilowatt exactly. hour separately, exactly. right? Yes. And and that's that's pretty mind-boggling in the beginning. Then it makes sense. Um, but there's of course uh, it's a pure it's a kind of a virtual deal, right? And uh, so then the, makes, the question comes comes in in the, about transparency, right? It makes um, sense because in the end, once the electrons are fed into the grid. They don't have a color anymore. Yeah. You cannot distinguish them anymore. Power yeah. is power, right? So basically, just being able to prove that you have fed into the grid a certain amount of megawatt hour produced by renewables sort of mm. is itself a statement. And, yeah. and you can, if you say basically, I, I'm taking the the energy out of the plug, and I have the certificate that uh, it comes from from renewables. Sort of, you match them, and you're and you're fine. Um, in the end, in the, in the end, and this is why why increasing an increasing amount of number uh, of companies want to also be able to point out to know which asset is providing them energy, so that they know at which time of the day, at which hour of the day they have they have taken a certain amount of energy, and and um, it sort of opens the discussion how to prove and how to to which asset to point while. Um, yeah, the power, the, the 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 renewable asset is not is not operating. So yeah. I don't know, but uh, but it's coming, it's coming. It's and the transparency issue is a big one, and uh, in, there there is a, an increasing need for for transparency. And I think this is a good thing, by the way, because it pushes everyone to be simply more, yeah, more more open and uh, and more transparent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely an, an aspect to to watch. I think because it's, since it's such a virtual digital um uh, business um yeah i think uh to watch out for fake goos i would imagine must be super must be super important yeah. so that we don't yeah. run into the wrong direction here no i think yeah what does it mean fake i mean the the goos are issued by by uh, sort of reputable authorities so you know that basically there are no fake videos uh, yeah. circulating around the ways which use you make out of it so yeah, yeah. yeah. you mentioned storage uh, um, obviously when as uh, renewals become a uh, produce more and more energy and uh, avoid this issue we just talked about um storage is is relevant it it costs coming down crazy because of of the uh, increased volume um so what's your what's your take how do you position yourself um you mentioned the issues um you're not a, as a battery owner you're not producing but you're supplying in a way so it's it's kind of a funny situation i think there's also legal is issues around it if you are a utility or not so can you can you outline the the complexity of the of running a business on on storage yeah, as a matter of fact, it is a very complex business. You have multiple revenue streams. On the solar and the wind farm, it's easy. You just produce the energy and you sell it, right? Yeah. The batteries, you can you can provide different services to the grid, um, or you can just do arbitrage, sort of loading and unloading whenever it, it makes sense. You can do this longer, sort of with longer cycles. You can do that for shorter cycles also to reduce the imbalancing costs. So it's really it's really a complex world with different um, uses uh, of, of the assets. And um, and we are still, we have not made 
our first investment, we have been looking at tons of opportunities over the last mm -hmm. years, uh, both in the long term, sort of by um, sort of uh, by by logging in long term contracts for the the use of a battery with uh, with uh, traders or suppliers. Um, we have also looked at short term um, uh, usage of of batteries, and we I think we will be ready to move very very uh, soon um mainly given the fact or may, maybe given the fact that the volatility is increasing and we don't expect it to go low in the long run to be lower in the long run first thing um and secondly because the technology costs as you said are going down so i think it's it's not we don't we won't have to wait uh, much but for the time being to be honest the cases the business cases were not good enough um we would we could have done something just to show that we are doing uh we are working in on that area but we are still very conscious and cautious when we invest our money we want to invest it well and so as long as we don't find any convincing business case despite again it would make a lot of sense for for the for for the grid and and uh, uh for uh for in general yeah, for for the system we don't uh, we have not uh, placed a bet yet yeah okay. yeah i guess it shouldn't be a bet when you want to make exactly. money, save money here you mentioned the O&M business so operation and maintenance uh, of yes. uh, solar and wind parks and you have you have a share in the italian company you mentioned in a subsidiary yes. oh it's a, it's a it's not a subsidiary it's a independent company so, so why, a company which yeah. yes which has different uh, sort of uh, head i mean it has one at the headquarter in italy but it has it 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 uh, itself has uh, subsidiaries in the countries where we are active so in mm -hmm. the netherlands in which i mentioned i didn't mention didn't mention before sorry oh. netherlands uh, um italy of course germany and the uk they are doing they are maintaining our plans yeah so so why do you What's interesting about the business in terms of um, technology or the, the the business model? Why why you mentioned that it's such a interesting for, sector of the industry? Yeah, for many years the ONM was looked at like a very sort of simple business with low margins, something just that needed to be done. Right, the availability of the asset of the plant should have been as high as possible. Um, and and a bad O&M would have reduced your profitability, but mm -hmm. you could have been you could have survived survived. Now we see that O&M becomes an integral part uh, of um, the value chain because first of all you need to have yeah things that I mentioned before availability reliability of the plants blah blah to a certain price in order to be competitive when you sell the energy, but and this is the most important thing we're seeing that in the end these assets age also on the solar ones you might think that once you build the the plant you can leave it like this for the next 50 years and this is not the case first thing we see that there are some some things to be done also some some uh, substantial um activities to be performed on the assets um mainly since we have relatively young assets, the issues we have are still covered by by the guarantees. But still, you have to spot. You have to spot 
the degradation issues. You have to claim in case uh, um, against the, the the module suppliers, and you have to um, you have to then uh, substitute modules or inverters or whatever. But even without that, we have now realized that after 10, 15, 20 years, the technology um, improvements allow you to use the same area in a different way by simply, by, I mean, the, the increased efficiency of the modules allows you to have the same power you used to have before on a much smaller area and that you have, uh, you can gain surface to extend your plant, which then wouldn't be subsidized, but it overall gives you a bigger capacity. And we've done this in a couple of, um, of uh, projects. Um, the ones, I think one, one of these uh, stories has also been published on LinkedIn, where we basically showed that uh, all of a sudden we were able to produce more energy out of a certain area that we uh, had used for the last 10 years with certain capacity. And, and all of these, sort of the ability to really understand what can be done where is something that the ONM can substantially help you to do. And, um, and we are, uh, again, seeing that, that by intervening on the, on the single assets, a lot of value can be generated. A lot of value can be, can be created. And, um, and so we, we believe that this is uh, definitely something that will play a role. It's a growing market. And it will continue to grow even if no capacity is a, is a sort of built out, right? Because the, the, the construction, you can only construct the business or the, the plant once you build a new plant, but you have to learn to maintain it for the next 20 years. And mm. again, the maintenance activities are significant. So it's, it's the growing market, even in case the new build is uh, slows down, which not, is not being uh, the case and not expected so far, but um, but could be an opportunity, and um, and we yes could go even further. I think that knowing exactly how the plant is performing could also improve the quality of forecasting uh, for let's say the activities on the market, and um, and uh, sort of the reliability of the supply. Yeah. So there's plenty of factor, plenty of aspects. Yeah. So uh, so it's. Um... When I try to uh, st structure it for myself, so it's one thing is really the importance is to to spot faults in the in the solar parks, wind farms. So you do observe uh, faulty modules. Um, so what what's the key? And the second part would be repowering, right? So you actually replace solar modules with more efficient ones. And the third part is really the uh, forecasting, so that gives you a better your sales team, I guess. Uh, Gets better pricing if you have less volatile uh, forecast. On, on the um, on the first part, the uh, the degradation or faulty components. What are the key issues that you observe? Do you do you have a kind of a Pareto analysis, or is it is, is there yeah. a, a classic aspect? Um, and what do you do against it? Yeah. Yes, you basically start start realizing that. The performance ratio is is going down, which means the relationship between the amount of energy that the sun is sort of giving us and the amount of energy that the asset is converting into uh, into uh, electric energy. And um, 
And this is something, again, that has to be monitored constantly. There are many factors that have an impact on the, on the performance ratio. And this is where a good ONM provider sort of uh, makes a difference. Uh, they are able to, to spot in, an adv in advance and to sort of anticipate the whole process of claiming. They are supporting you in the claims by doing the right analysis on the ground, on the modules to convince the manufacturer that this is a, a warranty case. And, um, and yes, so basically it's about, it's about not wasting time before intervening, not accepting or not sort of ignoring the fact that the performance of the plant is slowly, slowly going down. Yeah. So is it easy to claim faulty modules or what's the experience? How do you go about it? Do you need a third party auditor to measure individual modules or yes, what's very the standard often, process? Yeah. Very often you do need uh, them uh, or laboratory analysis. But in general, we have um, been lucky enough to have big players um, providing our modules or supplying us with the modules. And big players usually are also very, uh, very sort of serious when it comes down to, or honest when it comes down to, to claims. Mm. Um, again, you mentioned before a couple of companies that uh, produce thin film modules that are not on the market anymore. On that, it would become difficult uh, to 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 get um, replacement. Yeah. Replacement, yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and and on the the repower um, section, that, that's interesting. So, uh, so you really kick out uh, the solar modules which have an age of let's say ten years, and you put in uh, the ones with a thirty percent more efficiency. Um, can, can you re what do you do with the let's say second hand modules is there a specific market for it or you do you how, how do you how do you go about it yeah before that before that please allow me to to sure. differentiate between repowering and revamping are two different okay. um okay terms when you repower you usually increase the output and the capacity of the plant mm -hmm. by using the same area when you do the revamping which is what we normally do Okay. to the subsidies you only ah. sort of you keep the power as sort of authorized yeah. as as right. um, as qualified for the subsidies and and you just use a smaller area or a smaller surface and the mm. basically the area the surface that becomes free you can use for a new plant as a matter of fact okay which you can which you can uh, build and uh, and uh, sort of sell the energy um, but um, but which is not subsidies subsidized right ah, the subsidy okay, okay. only refers to a certain uh, capacity okay. which is which is like, fair okay. otherwise yeah. it would be would it be dangerous right. and and yes the the whole question about the old modules is as a matter of fact uh, also an interesting um, topic there are some companies that are focusing on on the recycling of the modules and I'm very curious to see what they will uh, manage to do. For the time being, we, we use um, partners and, and, um, and um, third parties who manage the whole process of sort of taking them, certifying us that they are going to deal properly with them in case recycling them according to uh, the best practices or um, selling them on the second, on the second market, secondary market. 
after being sort of um, yeah restored to a certain to a certain point to become operational again. Yeah. But this is something that we yeah sort of we enter into an agreement with uh, with companies that specialize on management of these uh, of these uh, modules and and then we're out again in Italy the, the experience we've made uh, was mainly with people who have then recycled because yeah. I mean this is going to be a huge market right I mean right now we look at an age of the industry of let's say 20 years let's say even 10 years in terms of volume significant volume that which is uh, close to zero in terms of um, let's say cosmic times right and that's I guess where we what we actually talk about right so this is yeah. going to be a, a a very important uh, aspect of the of the future. How do you how do you do yeah, recycling, reuse uh, of those uh, solar modules? Interesting. Definitely. Yeah. You mentioned the aspect of vehicle to grid, um, which is related to to storage. Um, what's what's your what's your hope? What's your forecast on 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 that? It's again. It's a very interesting technology, and I think it will be. It will be. Uh, it will. It will become mature for mainstream adoption. Um, definitely, uh, for us as an Encavis, it's way too far away from from our business model so far. So it's it's really something that we sort of follow individually because of personal interest, not as a not as a as a okay. company. Um, but um, but I think that I think that. Also in the in the area or in the in the industry, I mean, or in the sector of renewable energy, technology will will provide solutions that we don't we cannot think about at the moment. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty uh, confident about that. We we think that um, yeah, the ability to process data. Uh, is is going to yeah it's going to provide completely new uh, new scenarios new solutions new mm. new uh, approaches uh, and uh, and it's something we are very fascinated by yeah. let me uh, jump to another topic um you own actually those assets right so you need lots of funds to uh, to buy them so i would expect that mainly pension funds who are interested in a super safe uh, non-volatile cash flow um, and also conservative but yeah secured um, uh, profit are could be your key investors is that is that am i right or where, where does your money come from for your big solar park assets yeah we're different i mean this is uh, something that our cfo could uh, talk about for hours um <laughs> we have different we have different uh v assist i mean different um ways sort of of, of uh, raising funds um, the more traditional one and still one that plays a, an important role for us is the funding at SPV level through project finance SPV right. SPV sort of at, at the level of the individual uh, project or plant okay we, we okay. have dedicated vehicles special uh, special, special purpose vehicles oh, okay sort of yep. it's it's companies small companies where you can ring fence the risk somehow you can mm -hmm. um, raise debt in order to then construct the plant and they still play a, an important role uh, then we are also increasingly having sort of um, um, fund fundraising basically instruments at um, 
at corporate level, this is also something where basically Encarys AG plays as an instrument and, uh, and raises some funds. And ultimately, we have not done that for the last years, but still, it still is, a, is an option for us being a listed company to just make a straight capital increase uh, by issuing new shares. So we have different, different um, uh, tools and instruments that we can use. And, and I think we've been also, from this point of view, very balanced in using them so far. And, um, and uh, this, is, this is, fortunately, has not been a constraint for us, in the last years, um, and uh, and we don't expect this to be a constraint in the future, uh, because I think we are yeah we are very well positioned to to raise capital. Yeah, I looked at your your publicly traded company, and uh, I look at your um, your stock, um, and uh, when I go down back to three or five years your stock has increased by a factor of roughly three i would say yeah uh, while the uh, the german dax index or any other tech dax mdax whatever just grew by 12 percent right yes so you did super well why do you think is is your stock so interesting and do you is it similar for other like say competitors of Encarvis? Yeah, more or less, yes. There are differences, of course. Uh, we've been performing, I would say, extremely well among the best ones. Um, and I think this is this is given by many factors. I think we've been we've been we've been running the company very well. Um, we've been uh, growing our business over the last years um, the way the market was expecting. We have a lot of ambition, ambitious plans sort of outstanding in the sense that we want to uh, do much more and this is also publicly available. Um, but of course, the industry itself, renewables have become an important um, topic. I think that, again, the maturity of the industry has played also a role in attracting more funds and more capital. Um, at the beginning, it was something more like, I mean, and even back in 2013, when I started it's nine years ago, at, at uh, capital stage, renewals were something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this this guys uh, think about the environment, but yeah, we'll see what what, uh, what they can do. And I think that uh, sort of history has proven us as right, uh, both in terms of again maturity of the technology, uh, capability to really deliver substantial amounts of, of power to the grid and and um, and enough energy yes to to um, to become significant as a, as a supplier and and I think also uh, people have understood that that um, we have to find sustainable ways to produce the energy that we consume I don't think it makes sense to reduce I mean of course by increasing the efficiency, it's important to reduce the overall consumption, but progress is something that all of us strive for. We want to uh, use technology, we want to uh, uh, sort of be mobile um, somehow, but it has to all happen in a sustainable way. And I think that people have understood that. And um, and again, I think that the, the, uh, the industry is, is doing great and is and it's just the beginning to be honest i think i'm really enthusiastic when i look when i think about the future i think the best is really yet to come we're just mm. at the very beginning it's going to be huge yeah 
and it's going to be good for all of us. Yeah, excellent. So um, another jump in the topics, you need uh, talent to build a good company and obviously you have managed to do that. Um, how do you do it? How do you pick talent when you um, uh, in the in the job interview? What Do you have a special methodology or will you rely on your gut feeling um, or do you have a, yeah, what's your way to yeah, do it? It's, it's, it's an interesting question because the war for talent is on. I mean, we, we see that, um, that it's not easy to find good people. At the same time, we are uh, very, very, very happy with our team. I think it's one of the key success factors for us uh, in the past and will also be the quality of the team, um, which is really, really, really good and really high. Um, and, um, and I think that what we've done successfully in the last years is we've been open to also hire people who didn't really primarily come from this industry mm -hmm. uh, because it was a It is somehow still a young industry and, and it's not easy to find sort of people with a lot of experience willing uh, to move. Now it happen it's happening. You see people basically from the competition who uh, apply for new positions here. So it, I mean, it, it is helping us from this point of view to also acquire um, experienced people. But, um, but in general, we were in the past very open for yeah, cross industry sort of applications mm -hmm. and uh, and this has been has been important and during the process i would say in the end each manager has a little bit his is or his own style uh, um, i try to go into the meetings and into the into the um, job interviews with a very clear understanding on the on the hard skills Mm -hmm. And this is usually also sort of, we have a two-stage uh, process in which during the first stage, we understand how, yeah, how solid the skills are. And, and the second one where I usually join is, is where, we, where I try to understand the motivation, the person that's sitting in front of me. And, um, and, uh, and usually, and I would say, yes, I would say this is then when I, when I basically, uh, Yeah, when, when I think that I've been lucky enough over the last years to sort of pick right people, I know I know that there is a famous bias. I probably we have not hired people that are very very good as well. Uh, so um, seeing somehow or experiencing the success that a former applications at Encavis do have somewhere else is always sort of yeah, it's always a little bit tough because you realize man. You maybe have lost. <laughs> could have you have not. You could exactly. You could. You could have. You could have hired some somebody really, really valuable. So I'm not. I'm not um, stating and suggesting that we are uh, perfect in in uh, in picking uh, people. But I think that um, we've really managed to build a great team over the last over the last years. And um, and again, I think it's a combination of looking at really both things: the skills that are the basis for everything, but also the personal fit, the cultural fit. Hmm which I do um, uh, consider being very important. The attitude, uh, yeah. it, it is really, really uh, what, I, what, I, what, I look for, uh, what I look after. The ability, in, a, in few words, the ability to work hard uh, in a passionate way, but also to have a lot of fun. And I think this is what, what, what is really 
uh, one of the key yeah, aspects of, of Encarvis, of the team at Encarvis. It's a bunch of people who loves to spend also time together and, and this is very precious. Yeah, excellent. Um, the other question that has uh, established itself as a standard um, non-conventional question for, for, let's say, solar journey is uh, project management, right? So particularly in technology, it's always uh, difficult to predict the, the time, the budget you require to establish that new feature or build this new feature. For your case, it's a little bit different, right? Because it's, I would assume, to a certain extent, a copy paste, but still a project management is not a is not science, but um, depends on so many factors. So how, what are the, the key essences of your, of your project management to execute in time within budget? Yeah. I mean, the most the, the most important process for us is, um, I would say, the the investment process. So when we find uh, an investment opportunity that we like, um, and then uh, the team starts working on it, and hopefully then brings it to conclusion by signing the contract. Um, this is the the one that let's say the one process that in theory is the one which is more sort of easy to repeat. In the end, it's not exactly like that because each project has its own um, peculiarities uh, and is, is somehow special. Um, from this point of view, I think that the most important um, skill and feature and ability is to really be quick and good in communicating. Mm -hmm. um, and I think this is also where something where we where we really became good at over time. At the beginning, the the investment team when I was still working in the investment team, it was basically managing everything. So it was negotiating the contracts. It was checking sort of a little bit of the technical aspects of the different contracts, especially the ONM if the plant was already operational. We were looking at the financing agreements. Um, we were trying to understand, we were looking also, of course, in close uh, um, uh, cooperation with technical guys on how yeah, the overall performance of the assets were, were, was doing. And this became too much. I mean, at the beginning it was all right. When in, Again, when the industry was not mature enough, we could do that, but we realized that we need to have specialists in the team. Yeah. And I would say over the last five years, we've built very good teams that, work together um, when when a project a project becomes sort of active and um, and um, and we when we sort of press the button that we want to move ahead and and yes the investment team has become in a certain way still the front man the 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 the, the, the team or the guys are still the ones who negotiate the contracts but again in combination with a with a bigger team, and and here communication is 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 key, uh, mm -hmm. is really key. Uh, the ability to basically um, bring everyone to the same level to understand what exactly is uh, tackled at a specific specific stage, and um, and yes, we we have also um, we we have tried or we have trained 
our team and our, some some uh, colleagues in project management. But to be honest, I believe that the biggest learnings and the biggest way to learn this job is by just doing it uh, uh, sort of yeah, on the job and by be having the openness to give and receive feedback in a very straight way. And, and I think in, from this point of view, we're also uh, very good and we are constantly improving, constantly improving. Excellent. Thanks a lot for that input. Um, last question. Um, as always, um, is uh, so you, 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 you mentioned you, you are excited about the future just like I am. And I think there's plenty to, uh, to do and solve, right? And um, contribute to, to the good. Um, but what's the key essence that is required to bring solar and wind the industry to the next level? The will, only the will. Yeah. I think that I think that everything is is available. Uh, the again, the technology is there. The the uh, I think the support from the population is also there. I think that by now in Europe, uh, the majority of the people want uh, renewables to be built out. I think it's really about the political will to to yeah. allow that to uh, to speed that up. Um, we have we have still we are still looking at a lot of projects that are delayed due to yeah bureaucracy and and a sort of uh, a lack of clear of a clear framework in which things should happen um and this is uh, this is the most frustrating uh, aspect for me it's uh, it's really i think that the industry and the people are much are much further are much more uh, yeah ready for all of these to happen then then i would say yeah politics is um and um and this is this is what is uh, what is needed i remember also from my time uh, back then as a project developer and maybe that's why i'm i'm pointing this specific aspect out uh, back then i i really had to navigate in a in a jungle of unclear rules and unclear regulations which never gave me certainty or uncertainty on or actually never confirmed that this project will be built one day nor uh, uh, allowed me to understand under which circumstances this project would have not been built right so it was really it was really always this yeah this this strange feeling of is it going to happen is not going to happen and i and i think this is what's slowing down things at the moment there is enough capital there is again the technology is there yes we do have some issues on the on the supply chain but it's it's i think it's temporary i think yes we will have some issues on the grid but technology is moving ahead at impressive speeds in in all directions uh, the batteries will be ready when we need them so I don't think that this will be the issues. I think it's really about, about making it happen, about defining a clear framework where which assets should be built, wind or solar, and just do that. Excellent, Mario. Thanks for, for sharing your insights and your enthusiasm. Uh, wonderful. Um, wish you all the best um, for you, for you um, but also, also for, for Encavis. Um, thanks for coming onto the show, Mario.
thank you very much, Torz. It has been a, a great pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, thanks. Bye-bye.